Hello and welcome to another episode of Cosmic Conduits. This week we are talking creativity because Jesse and I are both very inherently creative creatures, um, as we all are, but we both really live with creativity at the forefront of our lives. But the way that we pursue that creativity and express creatively is very vastly different. We do that in very different ways to one another. And myself personally, I think that, yes, I am an artist. I draw, I create things um, like jewelry, but I'm also very creative in the way that I live. I think my lifestyle is a big expression of the way that I am creatively. And then, Jesse, give us a little introduction to yourself and your creative process. So as you know, I am a musician and I typically play music and write music for a living and teach music as well. And what that means to me is that everything I do revolves around creativity. So with creativity at the focal point of my life, I typically have to be creative most of my, most of my life, actually. So living creatively is just, it's just a way of being for me. Yeah, awesome. And... I almost don't know how to express the difference between our lifestyles here, but I'm going to try to because, Jesse, you're an artist, so you're always pursuing that, right? That is like you're, you're, you've got this tunnel vision in a good way because you know where you're going. It revolves around music. You're like that's, that's your thing. Whereas for me, my career and what I'm actively pursuing is not actually my creativity it's not my creative process but just the way that I live my everyday life and the way that I create a career for myself and a lifestyle for myself and a living situation and and a path that is the creative process does that make sense so it totally is yeah I, I think what you're saying is it's how you construct everything and allow it to come into play and allow it to exist in your life yeah, like my my life is the canvas. It sounds like a really douchey thing to say. Yeah, but, my, <laughs> but that's but really true. how I but see it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we're both on this real creative path alongside each other, but doing it in very different ways. Mm, yours is way more broad, I would say. Very much so. Um, and even if you think about it, pursuing the sciences is a very creative path. You know, you have to ask questions that have not been asked before and then find completely innovative ways of answering those questions that is a creative process it's true but again it's a broader view of yeah. creativity and if we had to sort of define creativity which i don't necessarily want to do but but what makes someone creative and what does it mean to pursue your creativity two very different and big questions so what makes someone creative to me is how they engage with life and interface with the world and with whatever outlet they choose or outlets they choose. And what I think it means to pursue creativity is absolute dedication. You cannot pursue creativity without dedication because creativity is this loose flow state that is just kind of always happening, which you tap into. And if you're to be creative for a living or to be creative for, for all of your life, you would need some sort of, through a practice rather. If you were to be creative through a practice or through a platform or through an outlet, you would need some sort of uh, logical structured discipline in order to help move that forward. So creativity is most definitely a state of mind. Yes. And to pursue that state of mind and to weave it into your life requires commitment that comes from almost the other state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. We've got this real left and right brain split, but they really work together in order to ensure that the creativity can be manifested into existence. Um, and I think that this is going to be a bit of a theme of the discussion today because there really is this real balanced approach to pursuing creativity that makes someone creative a successful creative person it's true which i'm very interested in very much me too yeah because because 
So that, that's our special guest, Violet. <laughs> my my parrot, who's freaking out on the floor for no reason. Um, <laughs> I think he spotted himself in the mirror. <laughs> just scared himself. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so one of the reasons that I wanted to have this discussion is because me, Jesse and I are both very actively pursuing this path of creativity, and we're both very much on it. We're not at the beginning of it. Mm. Hell no. We've been on it for a long time, and we sure as hell ain't at the end of it either. We're in the thick of it. And so there's a lot of learning and reflection in this space. And I find that the deeper you go into this, the more you have to, uh, the more you find yourself in solitude. And so oftentimes Danica and I will spend time focusing on our own creative outlets, but together. Yeah. And so we talked about creativity as being this state of mind. Jesse, how do you get into a creative headspace? Oh man, this is a good question. Finding a way in is the most important thing for me. And this is something I'm very grateful comes so naturally to me. I'm lucky that I have spent a lot of time, you know, trying to unlock a craft. And through that craft, I find I unlock the most insane amount of creativity. So, for example, um, musicians or guitarists call it noodling. You'll just start noodling. You'll just play some notes. You just run through some scales, just warm up your fingers and oftentimes that will put me into the headspace I need in order to create. Or before I know it, I've noodled something that sounds funky or cool or just enjoyable to listen to for me. So I'm, I'm already there. But if I'm struggling or if I'm being too analytical, I find I need a practice to help me get there. I might go for an ocean swim or take a cold shower before I sit down or just, you know, do some meditation before I sit down. It doesn't work if my head's not clear. And you can hear the difference in the quality of the material between my head being clear and my head being clouded. But how about you? Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I think, again, it's cool because you, you, your creative process is one thing. Like you're sitting down, you're making music, you're playing guitar. When you're being creative, you're, you're playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like what you said about warming up and, and there's that, there's, sort of two elements that I took away from that, which is clearing your head, which is one, and then getting into your body, which is another, which which relates to warming up. Um, and I can really relate to that because I think that um, getting into the creative headspace is really about allowing your body and the subtle senses to speak without your head getting in the way, trying to control that process. And I can have more trouble with trying to drop into that creative space because I have less time on a daily basis, I guess, um, to create. And so sometimes there can be prolonged periods of time between my creative processes or they're just at certain points in my life, it's not such a routine for me. So I, it is a bit more of a weird thing to get into that space, but I totally agree with what you said. Clear your head, do something that connects you to your body and warm up, man, warming up your body, um, with some movement and just, yeah, just connecting to the way that you move and the way that you flow is going to help get what's inside of you outside of. It's true. That's a huge thing. And I learned a long time ago that you perform 70% better when you warmed up. So if you're like me, where your literal practice is performance, you're, every time you're noodling, you're playing, you're engaging with your anatomy in order to create something, that's a performance. Yeah. If no one's watching, that's up to them. <laughs> if no one's watching, it doesn't matter. But either way, um, it's still a performance. And so getting into your body absolutely is a crucial point. And I think the bird agrees. The bird absolutely agrees. And that's something I really admire about you, Jesse. Watching you just drop into that creative zone is a really beautiful thing to watch because you, the, the atmosphere in the room changes. Like it gets mm. hot it gets and it really gets heated. thick yeah. and dense and you don't want to make too much noise when Jesse's dropped in. It's, it's, a, really, it's a really cool space to be in um, and you, you're very good at catching it. It's very interesting to watch. I see it as just an invisible wave that's happening all the time and you just typically have to grab it and ride it and it's always it's always going on but it just matters how well you're riding it you know you can surf a wave and sort of just barely get through it and be wonky and okay I got there but that was that was but you just get better at it and I've I've seen this with you as well and with you I notice rather than heat because you're not moving your whole body you're kind of just just hand what I notice is I can feel this intense focus but also this intense peace emanating from you. 
And it's really uh, quietly powerful to watch you in the process as well for, for, for the same reason. It's just watching you ride that wave is cool. Yeah, I, I relate internally to that that focus and that <laughs> peace of mind. There's nothing but what's – I'm kind of watching it come to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, why did you choose the creative path? There was no other path that excited me. There was everything else was just boring to me. I couldn't imagine for me personally, a life where I have to carry a briefcase and wear a suit every day. And I can't imagine anything else as being the focal point of my life as music and improvisation and creativity and living in, in a way that allows for me to do that was my goal since I was 10. I didn't even realize it then, but I was just so stupidly inherently drawn to something that I spent you know, most of the next, most of the rest of my life up until now in interfacing with and engaging in. And every, every moment I sat with the instrument, I, it became more and more clear that this is what I wanted to deliver to the world. It's, it almost sounds cheesy, but, and this is, Again, maybe the most cheesy thing that's been said so far, but it kind of wasn't a choice. I was going to say, don't d- say the creative not path saying chose it. I'm you. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. I, those are your words, not mine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but gosh. did I imply it? That's for anyone else to interpret. <laughs> um, so do you feel like there is a part of you or a part of uh, essence of life that is greater expressed via you when you are creating music um do you feel like like what is it that you're expressing when you create what is it that you are trying to express and what do you think is so valuable and so important that you really choose this this left of field path in life because it's a it's a grimy career pursuit you know it's not easy it's it's an uphill battle the whole way yeah and you know especially making progressive metal (laughs) Um, which is what you mostly do. There's no niche for that where we are. It's so, it's so um, quiet in the world of progressive metal. And I've always seen this huge gap. There are so many bands doing so many great things. But when I go to listen to music, unfortunately I have 15 max 20 bands that I'm like, yeah, they're fantastic. I love listening to them. And there's just this huge hole where the next generation are coming in to fill it. And I'm seeing it every time I discover new, a new artist, I sit there and I analyze and I, I, I figure out what's out there, what's missing and how are they contributing to, to putting this puzzle together? And it's beautiful. And I, and, I, and I just so clearly from the beginning and the more my life moves forward, the, the more I can see this, this puzzle piece that, that, that I am, that, that anyone I work with is a part of and how, essential it is to that world so is that your language is progressive metal your language or is that a language that you were drawn to that you've learned to express yourself in that way like how does how does what you're trying to express and the way that you express it and then the genre you fit into and the life that you're pursuing how does that all come together it's a really good question and you know you could ask me the same question in five years and you'd probably get a very different answer but as of right now, what I am I'm noticing is the language I'm trying to speak is the language of instrumental music. Why? Because I believe it's more valuable than anything with words. I think music with words is more timeless to some extent. I find the albums I, I love that have lyrics and melody and, and um, depth and meaning, those mean a lot to me. But, you know, classical music stuck around for so long and it wasn't, music wasn't necessarily about vocals for a huge amount of music. Of course, it started that way with, you know, Gregorian chanting and whatnot, uh, as far as we know. But it was, and then there's, you can go to African percussion and, and, and tribes of, of people actually creating through rhythm. So music is this vast thing. But what I'm noticing with it is a language that is spoken without word, where you can listen to a piece, uh, for example, a Nightingale by Yanni. He wrote it about a bird, uh, the Nightingale bird, obviously. And you listen to that piece and it's so unbelievably beautiful. And you don't, it doesn't matter what language you speak. It will connect with the depths of your soul. Also, everyone listen to that piece. It's fantastic. Uh, 
But what I'm getting at is it's ultimately deeper than words. It's deeper than, than, than human language. And that's why I love it. There is no barrier. Like I could listen to some Japanese metal and this is cool music to me. It's great sonically. It's beautiful sounds. However, I can't connect with what they're saying. I don't know. So I'm missing a whole portion of depth. But if the music is good enough, it doesn't have to be there. So it's just creating in a way that is, if you, I don't know, ironically sent out some of my favorite albums from bands I like to space that didn't have lyrics on them, they would probably be more inclined to love it because they don't they don't understand the language or how we communicate, so they'll just hear it as noise. And yeah. the noise is really consonant, which is pleasing. So one of the things you said is that music with vocals may be more timeless and I think I think that you actually prove the opposite point which is what I agree with um I, I believe that um music with vocals are more instantly relatable but it's the melodies that are timeless it's the melodies that everyone know, like the saxophone from that one 80s Baker Street. track Baker or whatever Street. it is I don't know I'm just thinking of something yeah, like or all of those careless little whisper. things. Yeah. All of those little things. It's those melodies that people remember beyond the words that are spoken. And it's also you're trying to convey something that is universal, which is a feeling or sensation that is produced by tone, a feeling that is universal because it transcends words and even understanding. It's mm-hmm. just something that is felt and received and processed um, by everyone that is – that just is, you know, it just is. And I think that, um, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think this is what I'm getting from what you're saying. And beyond that, you know, you're doing that via the type of music that you create in a, in a voice that is quite unique. You're, you're, you're expressing these universal truths in a way that is so delicately nuanced and so passionately delivered and, yeah, I don't know. It's I love it, clearly. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you saying that, and I particularly love what you said about melody. This has always been my perspective when it comes to like creativity and music, for example. Melody is the most important thing to me. Melody is the thing you take away and you sing in the shower. Melody is the part of the music that connects deeply with... I don't know if it's your soul or if it's just your ear or if, whatever whatever it is. For me personally, it's always connected the deepest with me. So it's always been what I want to express. And then when you mention those 80s tunes like, I don't know, Baker Street or Careless Whisper, it's, cla- it's classic melody, just deep, emotional, raw melody that you could whistle it in 50 different countries and you'll get people turning around like, oh, I recognize that, you know? So it's an impeccably remarkable thing to see a melody transcend language like that. And sometimes these songs are so powerful, they actually translate them into different languages, keep the melody, change the lyrics slightly to make the phrasing fit, and then bam, you have the same song in a different language. Really cool. But all because of the power of the melody and a lot of the time the power of the message. So I know what I said was contradictory. I go back and forth here when it comes to is instrumental music more timeless and powerful and beautiful or is it the opposite? I don't have an answer. This is this is just my opinion. I personally love instrumental music. I have never been a great singer, so I try to sing with my fingers and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I I think you sing with your fingers. I hear it. I really hear it. I can hear when you're crying and you're playing and I'm like, oh, <laughs> he's sad today. Um, yeah, it, it's very clearly expressed, particularly... Um, because I know you well. Um, and I, I could ask you questions about the guitar and music and uh, all of this type of thing forever. Um, but let's get back to the conversation of creativity a little bit more broadly. Um, let's do it. I actually want to ask you something about creativity. I want to know the reverse answer to those questions. I want you to know, why did you choose the creative path because I'll just quickly say that the way you feel about my music and the way I express myself creatively is pretty much the exact same way I feel about your art. When I watch you draw, when I see the pieces, I'm looking at one right now and it just blows my mind every time I look at it in the most deep, beautiful and magical kind of way possible. So 
Why did you choose the creative path? I chose the creative path because I felt that I had to create my own path because I got so tired of having all of these paths presented to me and not resonate with any of them. I felt like there were so many signs pointing to here and there. And if you want to get to here, then you have to go this way. And if you take this route, you'll get to there. And I just looked at all these options and thought, I don't want to go to any of these places or I don't want to go that way. That doesn't feel like me. And for me personally, I find that a lot of what I do needs to feel like I'm doing it my way and I'm creating my own way of doing it. So even, and it's not some sort of hierarchical thing. Like that's just what feels real to me. Even if I'm doing something that somebody already does, I need to do that in a way that is an expression of who I am. And so in that expression of who I am and trying to bring that into everything I do, I think that's how I live creatively and that's why I pursue the creative path and then when it comes to the art that I create um, another big aspect of why I live a creative lifestyle is because it just feels fucking good to me it just feels really good to sit down and express something that's been on my mind or to to dream up a world or to have this sort of space outside of time that's just kind of coming in and I'm like oh what is this and just sit down and watch it appear before my eyes like I don't even know what's going to show up Mm. in front of me until it shows up and I'm like oh okay hello what's this um and that's fun that's exciting and it feels good and so yeah it has to feel like me it has to be my way and it incites curiosity within me and that's the type of life I want to live right so ultimately it's creativity for the sake of excitement passion, insight into yourself and what's happening, and then also catharsis, just releasing something, just getting it off your chest and onto a page and suddenly this is how I feel. I can't express it, but look at this. Is that is that a big part of your art, catharsis, or is that something you do um, is one of your lesser uh, reasons for expressing? No, I really feel that, and I've always felt that. I feel like there's a lot inside of me that I... I don't want to say I struggle to express, but I don't necessarily know how to express unless mm. it's in those yeah. alternative <laughs> ways. <laughs> and it works. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So then I wanted to ask you, where does your drive or your desire stem from when it comes to creativity and expression? That's a really good question. I believe that I have it feels like a ball of fire inside of me that's constantly trying to push its way out. And that's another reason why I've pursued movement in this lifetime um, because I feel like there's so much energy inside of me that I physically can't contain it. And I don't think it's healthy for it to be contained. Um, And it, you know, half of it comes from me and who I am. And the other half of it comes from the world and the intangible and all of these things that I am connected to on a really subtle and esoteric level that I plug into. And I feel like it wants to be expressed. I feel like I want to express myself. I feel like the world wants to express itself through me. And that's where my desire to express comes from. I have an innate desire to share myself and to share the way that I perceive my world. Yeah, I love that. I Love what you said about the fire, particularly, because I tend to feel creativity as more of a water thing, more of a a flowy uh, water, oceanic type thing. And when you said fire, I just found that so fascinating. And it it made me realize that that must be why the the world has such a diverse array of creative stuff on it. It's just because of people's sort of elemental connections and the way that comes through them is just riveting. Yeah, I really love that. And that's also the reason why you and I can have such a different expression of and pursuit of a very similar path. Just It just comes out, it comes through in such different ways. So one thing that I find common to both you, Jesse, and my experience of creativity is this 
balance, this real fine-tuned balance between skill and imagination. And I ponder this a lot when it comes to creativity. And I'll explain it this way. When I'm talking skill, imagine a painter who paints a tiger and it looks like a tiger down to every damn piece of fur. It is so freaking detailed, right? So they've got the skill. They've got the hard skills. They know exactly what they're doing and how to do it. But when it comes to the imagination, all they paint is tigers. Every piece of canvas that they paint has a tiger on it. And it's like they've mastered the skill, but there's not necessarily the imagination backing it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then you have the artists who are ridiculously imaginative. Everything they paint doesn't even look like a thing because it's just purely expressive, but there's absolutely no technique behind it. There's no necessarily, there's no any skill. There's no real control of their craft. They're just expressing raw creativity, super imaginative, but really nothing to bring it all together. And of course that is also okay. And there's a place for all of it. But I feel like Jesse and I really try to sit not in the middle necessarily, but in more of a middle ground where we're trying to be ultra creative and imaginative, but also do that in a really skillful and clearly articulated way. It's a really good point. I find most of the people I love to listen to tend to sit closer to the middle ground. And what that does for me is it shows that the skill is there. And so I can appreciate the dedication and, and, the, and the devotion they've, that, that they've put into their craft. However, the imagination is also there to take it to a new realm, to actually allow it to, to move forward the whole genre and to bring it to whatever its conclusion is, whether that's in 10 years or a billion years. There's just a, a stepping forward. There's taking the ideas from great musicians and interpreting them learning them and then reinterpreting them in a way that's also fresh and new. And so I love that middle ground personally. Uh, I listen to art from all different calibers of the skill and imagination uh, scale. But yeah, uh, that's where I like to sit. That's, that's what I personally enjoy. I know that everyone sits and enjoys a different place, but that's how I see it, you know? Yeah, I agree. For me personally, the most interesting art to me is the art that sits somewhere in the middle of that spectrum because I think that the sweet spot for creativity for me personally and what I relate to um, is, you know, there's a skill in expressing what you are trying to express, but what you're trying to express is still so brilliantly imaginative. And, and I love that sweet middle ground because I think it's a little bit kooky. You know, I think yeah. it's think it's that's where things get interesting, but I agree. But beautiful at the same time. You know, it can be kooky, but it can be really beautiful and hard hitting. And I think that for me as an artist, and I've seen this in you, being able to know when you need to cultivate either the imagine the imagination, like the concept, the conceptualization of your art or when to focus more on the hard skills, like the technicalities, you know, what what instrument are you using? What brushes are you using? What strokes are you using? What strings are you using? What type of fingering are you using? You know, mm -hmm. how, how are you using your wrist and how are you holding the pencil? It's these knowing when to work on the technicalities versus the con conceptualization that really helps you fine tune your craft, but also it's what helps you move forwards and not stagnate. Because if you get too fixed on the technicality or you get too carried away with the imagination, I think you get stuck. I think you stop moving. But when you're, when you've sort of nailed the technicality a little bit, cool, you've become more proficient. Then let's go back to the imagination and express something mm. that we couldn't express before exactly. because now we have more skill to yeah. express it. And then, okay, so we've cultivated that skill and now, oh my goodness, now that I know I can express that, I have this grand concept that I can, that I want to express, but oh shit, now I don't have the skills to express. Well, let's go back to the skills, cultivate them a little bit so we can express an even bolder vision. And I think yes. this is how an artist can keep their craft evolving, you know, know when, when to grow and, and which, which left or right field to grow in. I totally agree. This is, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is such a crucial point for creatives to understand and for anyone to understand when approaching any craft ever. Yeah, true. Sports, exactly the same thing. It's, it's that skill versus flow element. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I would love to segue into the big fat topic of perfectionism. Oh, okay. Is that too much of an abrupt segue? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> normally, what I... normally you don't say segue when you want to segue there. No, I want to make it very clear. Oh, I'm segue. Very clear. I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the series of <laughs> things that we've got lined up to speak about. So just so um, I understand you correctly, yes. you want to segue. I want to segue. Into a different place. Into, I want to go from where we were to where we're going. Would that be known as a transition? Um, I'm calling it a segue. You're calling it a segue. But it could also be known as a transition. I'm going to call it a transition. <laughs> I'm not going to assume your label. Um, so what I want to say about perfectionism and the reason I say it now, I want it to tie into this whole skill versus imagination thing is because when it comes to a project, a creative project that you're working on, how do you know when it's time to move on or does it need more work? Does it need to be perfect? Okay. And here's the thing about perfectionism. It also has that skill versus imagination split because when it comes to hard skills, we're talking this this professionalism and this finesse. It's about making it as palatable as possible, like it's packaged and ready to go out into the world and it's picture perfect. It's all, you know, perfectly straight edges and clear cut corners. But then when we're talking the creative element of perfectionism, we're talking the rawness, the authenticity, the the realness, the personality, the jagged edges mm. is what makes it human. So it's this human versus mach- machine, this human, like this, I've produced this versus this has been mass produced type of energy. And I think that there needs to be that middle ground when it comes to fe- perfectionism as well. So how do you, Jesse, navigate perfectionism which side of that spectrum do you tend to get caught on more? Um, I think you're a bit, a bit of a perfectionist, as I think I am too. And um, how do you prevent perfectionism from keeping you stagnant? And do you think you've nailed that? No, I don't think I nailed that at all. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a long way to go there. That is one of the main hindrances I have with, with creating is that when is enough? Uh, I tend, I, I've seen all kinds of people and I tend to sit more on the perfectionist side. I've seen people call something finished where I'm like, this needs work. <laughs> Reopen this back up. Like we could definitely evolve this. And then I and and then I have worked with people as well where it's suddenly something something will be finished and then they'll go and, and progress it even more. And I'm like, oh, is this overkill now? Like, what is that sweet spot? Than, and who, who am I to say what that sweet spot is? You know, because everyone's ears are different. So what they want to hear versus what I want to hear is, is, is two different things. All I can say though, is this is, this is when it's, I mean, for me personally, this is when it's important to bring in other perspectives because you can get too fixated rather than art where you draw something and then it's on the page. You maybe refine with colors with music. You can go back into a whole section and change it 5,000 times. You can do the same with art. It's called okay. layers. It's oh, okay, true. I don't know where modern art is at right now in terms of uh, digital. But when is something, when is something done? When is it time to move on? That's when other perspectives really help me, and I'll I'll take it to people who are kind of my ideal audiences, where I might say uh, he plays in a band that plays similar music, or she kind of likes this genre of music, and then I'll take it to someone who kind of has no idea about it as well. So what do you think of this? I won't say, do you think it's finished? I'll say, how does this make you feel? And if it makes them feel what I was intending, it's probably done. There's, you could spend 10 years refining 30 seconds of music if you want. Literally, yeah. But it's not gonna, it's not gonna help. And so this is something I've had many revelations on in the last year even. And am I good at it yet? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out soon. I'll let you know. But when is it time to move on? Still figuring that out. How about it, you? <laughs> I think that, look, I think that was a really great answer. Um, consulting the panel. I think that's a really great answer yeah. because it's so difficult and I've seen you be crippled by it. And and I think we're both real perfectionists in our own way, but man, have I seen it with your with your music. Like I said, like we've said at the start of the the session, you know, my creative outlets are more broadly scoping. And so I guess that perfectionism is channeled from place to place, thing to thing. So there's room for it to be spread out across different mediums and crafts. Um, but with you, it's all concentrated into the one creative outlet that you have. And mm. it's just so present and so real. Um, 
yeah, I totally resonate with asking somebody else and getting a few different eyes that you value for a few different reasons. And it's such a fluid thing. You know, I want to say that you need to set your own standard about what finished means to you and what sort of quality product you want to offer. But then that is in flux too, because Mm. as you gain proficiency in your skill set, you can get better at finishing your product. And Mm. then do you need to go back and finish everything else a little bit better? Or do you just (laughs) stick with the standard that you're already at? And so it's, um, I think you just need for, for me personally, deadlines are really, really important here. I set myself a freaking deadline and I say, you're finishing it at this point in time at all costs, because if you go beyond this point, there's no knowing when you'll be done. And at that point, you're probably spiraling, Danica, because you are unable to grasp a concept of this being finished and this being okay the way that it is. I I really, if I don't set that that deadline, I can spiral into working on it and working on it and then changing little bits of it and then going back into those layers and, you know, and then, yeah, making one layer better and now the rest are not good enough and then going back and having to perfect the other layers. So, yeah, that that's my little piece of advice, man. Set yourself a deadline and stick with it and you can go back with post-production and jazz it up a little bit more when you finished the rest of the components, but just finish it. And, and this is the thing about being an artist. If you cannot manage your own sense of perfectionism, good luck finishing your art. And, and okay, here's another left versus right concept for you all. The creating brilliant art, creating one absolutely brilliant piece of art versus creating a hundred kind of all right ones. Which side of the spectrum would you rather sit on? Yeah. Would you want to create only one incredible piece of art in your whole lifetime? Or would you want to create 500 mediocre ones? It's true. No one will ever know about you if you created one great piece of art. And if you create 500 mediocre ones, nobody's going to really care about you. But you might get more traction than you would. Maybe 100 great ones would be the middle ground between. Exactly. (laughs) And that requires such a level of refinement when it comes to your process and your level of perfectionism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to have that strategy. Yeah. And that's what I've changed about, um, uh, that's what I've employed as to how to fix perfectionism is, is micro goals and greater deadlines. Yes. Essential. And they've been helping me so much. Yeah. Yeah, give yourself enough time to get it done right, but give yourself the time to get it done. What are your other hinders to creativity? I think being overly critical is a very big one for me where you'll, you'll lay something down and you might walk away and get a glass of water and come back and then listen to it again and go, again and go, what the fuck was I thinking? This is just awful. You mean perfectionism? Well, no. Yes. Yes. I guess it's a version of perfectionism, but it's more uh, judgment because perfectionism, perfectionism would open it up and redo it so that it's perfect. Mm. Whereas judgment goes, I don't like this. This is bad. You are shit. And it attacks you sometimes. And uh, that's what I mean by being overly critical. It's like a really uh, strict way of assessing everything that, that, that happens through you as if it needs to be assessed. And to some extent it does, especially if you're trying to record a final quality music by yourself. Normally you have a third party person to, to listen to you. And this is how it was done for all of music recording. It was, there was a guy behind a sound desk who was saying, yeah, that was good. Can we do this, this part again? Because you fumbled a bit and you wouldn't, you would have thought you played it perfectly, but that outsider ear perspective is there to, to, to check you to double check you and they have refined ears in that way. So doing that yourself, yeah, you can turn into a very overly critical person because essentially what you're saying is, did, I, did what I just played, did this eight bar or 16 bar or 30, sec, 30 seconds of music, is that in itself good enough to be heard by as many people who are going to listen to it? And, and another difficult part about when you get to that point in the process is, do I, so for me, I've just drawn, you know, a, a a little village. Oh, this is very relevant because I'm drawing a little village right now. Oh, I know it's a totally random example, but it's um, it's what I'm doing right now. So I'm drawing a little weird little village, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is this here? It's a weird little village, you know. Um, should I rub it out and draw something else here, or should I continue with it, trusting that once I 
add the details and add the surrounding flora and fauna, it's going to come together a little more. It's going to bring it together. Do I keep working with what I have, trusting that the rest of the process is going to make it fit, make it better, or do I scrap it and do something else here? And that's where you really need to make that decision and back it. Yeah, back whatever it you hard. choose to go with, make it work or make it something else. It's but true. whatever you do, back it. A hundred percent true. Trusting yourself in the process is huge. Trusting your decision making. You cannot create if you don't trust yourself and your decision making. Hundred percent doesn't work. Yeah. There have been situations where I have created something and I didn't actually love it. It wasn't what I was going for. I created it just for the sake of moving forward. And then as I finished that section, I tried to add another layer on top of what I didn't really like. Then I was like, ooh, this layer is great. Why don't I delete everything that I didn't like and just replace it with this layer and evolve this new layer? And if I had gone, "Mm, I don't really like this and just allowed it to stop me right there, would I have stumbled upon that new layer? Hell no, man. But the fact is that... I trusted myself and then I was able to fix and make better what I didn't like about the song. And thank God that actually happened because I wouldn't, ha- I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Whereas you can always just scrap it and delete it. I know people who do that a lot as well. Yeah. Just like, fuck it all, start again. Mm-hmm. And I prefer the opposite. I prefer to amend. However, to each their own. There's no right way to do this. Yeah, it is. It is so to each their own. And this concept of trusting and backing what you do and how you do it is so vital. So again, my creative process is very different to Jesse's. Uh, For me, particularly right now where I've taken a bit of a creative hiatus on a few of the bigger projects that I was working on, it's given me more space to create for joy, not Mm. for any end goal. And so I've been able to release this idea of everything that I create has to be perfect and it has to contribute to this one project and it has to be at that standard and it's given me room to just play a little bit more and to trust that even if it's a little bit kooky it's a little bit whack it's not up to standard it's not as perfect as it usually is um I can still put it out and I can actually share it and it can still be an expression of who I am and what I do, but it doesn't impact negatively on the rest of the work that I do. So, I mean, this is a kind of a bit of a tangent, but it's still, there's so many layers to how you create, why you create, what you're working on, what your medium is, um, that you really need to find your own process and just what, like, like we're saying, whatever it is that you do, however you do it, you need to back it. And when you lose faith in what you're creating, man, I, I really feel that you need to love your own creations just as much as anybody else loves them. And me and Jesse have had a few conversations about this recently because I was telling him, you know, I fucking love my artworks. I look at some of the shit that I've created and I'm like, Ball sacks. Will I ever be able to do that again? I don't know. Like that's so epic. <laughs> I really love that, that I'm not even going to try to go there again. And Jesse's like, nah, man, I can't listen to my shit. I hate it after a while. Yeah. But, but I, I, we, we change his perspective on that a little bit, I think, because I listen to his shit over and over. I fucking love it. But the point is that at the end of the day, Jesse is very proud of what he's created. And I think you, you need to back your own shit. And then for me, when I'm creating, when I'm drawing, if my, So again, bringing it back to your critical thought, like thinking too critically about what you're creating. When Mm. my head takes over that process, I lose it completely. I start to wonder how the hell I drew anything good ever at all. But when I just fuck (laughs) off my head, clear my mind and let my hand do the talking and the walking, that's when magic happens. So Mm. accessing flow, trusting what comes through you and out of you and how it shows up and what it means in the grander scheme of things. Um, You know, as long as you're putting shit out, getting shit done, moving on to the next one as a creative person, I think you're doing well. One thing I loved particularly that you said was about the play versus the actual refinement, right? So when shit starts to get a bit stale, you step back and you just start to play again. And you, I believe, I don't know if this is what happens to you, but I believe that's what reminds you why you chose art in the first place, right? So if that's the case, then when things are getting rough, that's the best strategy to, 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 to employ because... I don't know why they call it drawing. They should call it, you know, playing with the pencil or something. Because for me, it's called playing guitar. It's not called, you know, whatever else you'd call it. I'm not going to make up a word right now. But 
playing guitar is playing. And so when I get too critical and, and like you said, when your head takes over and shit just starts to, you start to fall into a, a spiral of how did I ever create anything good ever? Like What the hell? Me? I did that? No. You spiral into this horrible place and because your head takes over. But that's when you have to just play because I'll often minimize my Pro Tools session, which is the software I record, and I'll often minimize that when I'm starting to hate myself <laughs> and just play and get myself back into the back into a place of joy and passion rather than force, you know. And that and that's another topic as well, forcing creativity when you're not feeling it. You know, is is that the right thing to do? Forcing? What, what do you think? Um, really great. Uh, segue um, <laughs> and also touches on another question I wanted to ask you which is because you create for your living for your work how do you differentiate between creativity as work or joy work or pleasure and does it serve to see it as one thing or the other and I think you just answered that question for me where it's you need to take those breaks to go away and to play and to reconnect with the joyful element and that expressive element of why why you're doing what you're doing and what you do and for me, I am all too good at whipping myself, at sitting down and whipping myself until I've gotten to where I want to go. Um, and I do that when I'm sitting down in a session while drawing. And I also do that again with projects that I'm working on, where I'm working on this one project right now. Um, the project is I wanted to put out about 40 artworks that relate to this one project. And I just was forcing myself to create one after another, after another, after another. And if you create 40 pieces of art for the same project that does get stale you know and that's where for me the creative process became laborious and and that's that's where I realized that that force was not serving me because I was losing the creative flow because that's when the head was coming. No, Danica, you should be creating this and you should work on this now and you should be doing it like this and it should be contributing to the project. And all of those shoulds come from the head, not the heart, right? So that's when I knew I needed to put that project on hiatus and draw a little weird village. (laughs) (laughs) I very much have to force myself sometimes to be creative or to to go and recreate something I've already created. So polishing stuff. I have to sit there and all the refinements, like putting the gloss on a final artwork, the stuff that's really label. I have to force myself to do it. And I noticed you're a lot better than me at that and just cracking a whip on yourself and saying, sit the fuck down and finish your shit. And then you might complain to me that your back hurts a few hours later because you haven't moved in eight hours because you've been sitting in one spot creating Whereas I, I couldn't get myself to a place where, mm-hmm. where whipping myself, because I think this comes back to that fire you discussed, because that fire is this need, it's this urge, it's this quickness to spread. And do at all costs. Do it all at all costs. Right. Literally do that. And then with me, it's slow, it's, it's flowy, it's, it's about the beauty of it. And when I start to have my mind block that beauty for me, then I'm, then I, then I have to get back to play. But we work so differently. It's so different, you know. Like the 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 elemental perspective of it is yeah. polar opposite. It is, but either way, it creates beauty. You know? It does. And and look, Jesse's way drives me nuts, and my way, way drives, drives his nuts. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> drives him nuts. nuts. It, it <laughs> drives, drives me nuts. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> drives them anywhere they want to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. And look, we both need to work on those elements of ourselves. I think Jesse needs to get the whip cracking on himself a little bit and I need to soften and take care of myself a little bit more and take <laughs> those breaks. And yeah. just we, we really need but, – but I think perhaps for both of us, it's about making those conscious choices a habit. It is. You know, I, I've been it all doing comes this. down to the, the structures and the routines – that carry creative flow because we want to channel these beautiful, um, you know, let's say these beautiful channels of water. We want to allow them to move through a certain aspect of our lives, but we need those big concrete pipes to carry them where they want to go. You can't just let them flow through society and expect they're going to land where they need to land without wastage and without detriment. You need something that's going to carry it where it needs to go. And that's, that's where you need to have structure, routine, discipline, all of those icky words that we tend to shy away from, particularly as creative people. But we need that structure so that we can create, we can produce, we can finish, we can perfect and we can start another. It's absolutely true. If if um, you call me randomly, or I call you randomly, and, and I, I know you've been doing art or creating, I'll often ask you, when did you last take a break? Because 
your natural inclination is not to take a break, right? So you'll have that whip to crack down yourself, your whip cracking down yourself so constantly that what you're saying about implementing structure and routine, if you were to, you know, set an alarm or something every hour to force you to get up or, you know, finish one section and then get up and go for a walk, if you were to have that as part of your routine, that would solve your problem. Whereas solving my problem with routine would look more like, okay, Jesse, you're not getting up from this chair for fucking two hours. Finish your shit. And then then after two hours I get up, you know, rather than, uh, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go take a, I'm going to go take a pee and then just have a glass of water and then just take a few breaths and maybe I'll take five minutes and get back into it. You don't get that, that whip doesn't actually help you move forward. So, and even though my approach may look like, may look like I am extremely disciplined, um, to the point of an extreme, it, this is all still about mastering your craft. If you want to be a master at what you do, it is a real methodical disciplined approach to doing what you do well. Yeah. including taking rests to lie in the grass, man. That is a discipline. That is a discipline. <laughs> yeah, to tear yourself away from a world that is absolutely consuming you. Like when I when I create, when I draw, I'm in that world. Yeah. I'm in that realm. To, to draw yourself away from that and come back to yourself, nourish yourself, then go back to that world is so vital. You're not going to be able to have the body to express that world if you don't take time for yourself literally and this leads me to another hindrance of mine actually is is valuing yourself and what you do i wouldn't describe it as a hindrance in me personally but i see in a lot of other artists they don't particularly love or value themselves enough to value their creations and you can see that manifest in the way they might be semi-committed to art or not really expressing in a way that is their best potential. Yeah. I mean, I really believe that the better you are, the better anything you do is. Yes. You know, because, because anything you do is an expression of who you are and your art's only going to be better if you're better. So if you're stagnating with your craft, then progress yourself, progress yourself, figure out what the professionals are doing, analyze them, and then just try and be on their level because ultimately you're trying to do that. Right. There's an interesting quote about being a professional musician or, or, or artist or cr- creative person um, that I wanted to unpack with you and I wanted to know what you thought of it. So the quote is, amateurs wait for inspiration, professionals get it done. This is so interesting. How do you interpret that? Because we're talking about this real, you can't force it, you know, like I said about that 40 artworks versus the village thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a village. It's just a really bad way of describing it. It's so whack. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know. You never know what you're drawing until no, it's finished. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you could say that me being a professional would be, no, I committed to these 40 artworks. I'm going to get the 40 done, you know. Yeah. Um, but I am actually right now waiting for the inspiration via that project to come back to me because I don't feel exp- inspired when I look at that project. But I think that as a professional, I'm still getting it done because I haven't given up on the art completely. I've mm. just I've just pivoted, you know? Okay, I still value my creativity. I still value my creative process and I still need to be expressing myself creatively. Okay, I've hit a wall. I've tried and tried and tried, but I've absolutely hit a wall. Let's pivot. Let's channel creativity elsewhere. Let's allow it to come back to me from a different route and then get back into it. And so I think that is the professional getting it done and creating and 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 finding their own creative inspiration by still moving forwards. As long as you're progressing within your craft, you're being a professional and you're still making it happen for yourself. That's That's the way I interpret it. Really good interpretation of what it means to move forward as a creative, as an artist in your craft. I personally love that. And I would never have thought of that because I see it more in a, unfortunately, I see uh, that quote in a more black and white way because it would seem to me that if you're not getting it done, you're not meeting your goals, you're not on your deadline, then this quote is suggesting that you're unprofessional, right? Isn't it more the idea that if you're not, you're an amateur if you're waiting for inspiration and I'm not saying this like I'm an expert. I I very much do that, probably more than you, the waiting for inspiration thing, but not anymore. But I definitely have struggled with that probably more than you. No, I totally hear you because that black and white mentality is quite often the way that I default mode work. I typically would grind away at that one project 
even if my eyes bled, I would continue to work on that one project because I had committed to it. But the fact that I've pivoted and taken a little creative hiatus is so unusual for me that I kind of had a bit of a crisis of the soul in terms of myself as a creative <laughs> because I was like, who the fuck am I? If I can't get this done, I've I've committed to it. And now I'm just taking a hiatus. I probably won't even get it done. And oh my God, what does this mean for me? And like, should I be reevaluating everything in my life? That's literally where I'm at right now, <laughs> but I'm, right. I'm bringing it to get, I'm getting it together because I realize that that black and white, all in all out mentality is not sustainable and as somebody who is constantly overworked is a constant overachiever functions solely off of stress most of the time and is almost perpetually in a state of utter and complete burnout it's just not sustainable to think like that and so as long as I am still moving forwards and progressing towards that goal, even if I am going the longer way round, as long as I'm still walking in that direction. Um, for me personally, I need to know that that's enough because like, I love that all or nothing mentality. I work like that most of the time, still do, but it's just not sustainable to be completely real. And, you know, people could be misinterpreting that. It could be the answer of the gray area, you know, the gray area answer of, wait for inspiration, but still move forward. You know, it's not not implied there that you shouldn't be moving forward. Yeah, that's true. So I'm glad you said that. That was really insightful for me. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, I know personally, a lot of people need more of my old mentality, which is that just fucking do it. Yeah. A lot of people do. Just do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, you just need to take a real hard look at how you are. And whether or not you're getting it done. So let's say you're not getting it done in this situation. And you're sitting there, I don't know, watching Netflix. But on the inside, you're beating yourself up every second. You can barely enjoy this TV show because you're just not getting done. Whatever creative endeavor it is you began but aren't finishing for whatever reason. You're procrastinating. You're running from your commitment. How do you personally tend to accept yourself in in the times when you're being a piece of shit. I don't, I hate myself. So you don't, and and then how does that help you? Do you hate yourself into working or? Yes. No. Okay. So (laughs) yes, but here's the thing. That is a very multifaceted question because there's a few different elements to that. Are you feeling creative, but you're just not expressing, expressing it? Or is the issue that you don't feel connected to the creative process? And if you don't, then why don't you feel connected to the creative process is there something more going on here are you have you not been taking care of your body your mental health are you extremely stressed are you taking medications that are interfering with your state of mind and I say that because I've really been there man I've been there where I've wanted to create so badly to the point where I've sat in front of a piece of paper stared at it for hours days months years but have not been able to express what's inside of me because I'm physically incapable of doing so and then I went away and I changed my entire lifestyle and mentality came back and found my creativity again and then there are other times where I'm procrastinating and I know there's this huge creative project that I should be working on but I'm just tired and I'm burnt out and then it's like am I tired and I burnt out and I need rest and replenishment okay let's rest replenish and then get it done at 8 a.m tomorrow morning I work from 8 to 9 boom it's been scheduled in um or do I just get the fuck up and keep working because I'm just in a binge and I just like caramel popcorn and now I'm just eating too much caramel popcorn it's like shut up get back to your work you know so there's, there's so many different elements um as to why you may putting be putting the thing off but you as an individual need to get real with yourself about what it is and why you ain't doing it and and just do whatever you gotta do to get the fucking thing done even if it means taking a break even if it means looking after yourself even if it means going hard for the next 14 hours no sleep no eating no nothing but you will know what you need and you need to do that for yourself Hmm. And if I, if I can't do that for myself, I do hate myself, but I'm really good at getting to the point where I'm doing what I need to do. See, I I feel like that's a very important thing to be good at. And I feel like a lot of people need need help there. And so just to play devil's advocate again and ask you, let's say you are in the Netflix binge eating caramel popcorn and you say to yourself, oh fuck, I have to do this, but I'll just do it after this episode. And so you're halfway through your bag of popcorn, episode's done. And there's a little voice in your head that goes, just watch one more. 
just one more. You really want to know what happens to this character. Watch one more show. What do you say to that voice? How, how do you stop that voice from being the predominant voice? And, and has it been in the past for you? For me personally, my sense of obligation and commitment is greater than that voice, uh, which I'm really, really, really grateful for. I have a really profound sense of purpose and I would consider myself to be quite ambitious with whatever task it is that I've chosen to commit to. So at that moment, I, I would, I like to live my life as if, I've said this to you, Jesse, before. Live your life as if the person you admire is watching. I love that one. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, what would they think of you if they were looking at you right now? Mm. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, we've got these expectations we want to live up to of ourselves, but we, we that are modeled behaviors from people that we admire. And I, I, I've done really well in my life by modeling those people that I admire. Um, but you have to watch that because you have to make sure that you don't become obsessed with them. Yeah. Just just know know what it is that you admire in another person and bring it back to yourself and embody those qualities. But, but yeah, really check in and tune into why you're doing what you're doing, why you've made that commitment, what it would mean for you to complete that and the sense of accomplishment that that would bring. Um, check in with that and let that carry you towards getting it done. I love that. You just inspired a Rick and Morty quote to come to me. Yes. Where when that voice kicks in, you're like, and it's like, watch one more episode. Your, your inner self says, wait, what are my values? And then suddenly you re recap your values and, oh, you know what? I actually really did want to get this piece of art done. I'm, I'm going to go and work on this piece of art until five in the morning or whatever. So I love that you have this amazing sense of purpose that actually helps drive you towards everything you want. Uh, what do you say to people who don't necessarily have that, who's, who's watch one more episode, eat more popcorn, whose voice just tends to get the better of them too much? I really, this might be a little bit esoteric, but this is what comes to mind and this is what I want to say. If every single action that you made cast a spell that brought you whatever you deserved as a result of your collective actions, like what, what action would you want to take? Like if everything that you did was casting a spell at every moment in time, what would that mean for your life and the way that you live and the way that you move? What type of spell would you want to cast? And, and sorry, just to add on to what you're saying, inaction is also an action. That's yeah, casting the spell as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very important thing to say. If you choose, you know what? I want to feel good right now. And this show is making me feel good. And this popcorn is making me feel good. So the spell I'm casting is to feel good. Spinning it that way would, would, would not cast the spell you want because you don't want to be a professional Netflix po watching popcorn eater. You want to be a professional, you know, insert your craft. Yeah. Artist. <laughs> I read something online recently on a weird, totally esoteric forum about intention expression um and then the way that is received and if your expression aligns with your intention then that is received in a really powerful way and i really firmly do believe that make sure the way that you act is aligning with your intention and you'll cast a damn fabulous fantastic glitter and confetti magic spell man mm. i love that I'm going to think about that one for a while. Just chew on that one. That's why I think about everything, to be honest. Another thing I've found as a major hindrance to a lot of people is that they care too much what others think of them. And so they're, they're scared to pursue whatever is their truest expression of self in a creative field as a result of what will this person think of me. And so I see that a lot in people surrounding me in my life, though I've never had an issue with that. What do you, how do you interpret that? How does that affect you? What people think of you with regards to your creations and creativity and your artistry? Yeah, really good question. I would say um, I hope or I try for most of the time other people's opinions of what I'm doing and how I do it. Um, I try for that not to affect me. That's really important because in me pursuing a lifestyle that I am creating for myself, that's really important 
because yeah. so many voices come in like, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why don't you do instead? Oh, you know, you can just do this and that'll make that better. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm doing what I'm doing for a really specific reason and I can't have you interfere with that and, and inject doubt into my mind. Um, but when it comes to really owning what you do, why you do it and how you do it, I think that if it feels good, in a really real way, like not in a methamphetamine way, but in a, you know, <laughs> in a nourishing soul level, greater impact way. If it feels good, then you're good. So chase that feeling. Don't think too much about it. Just really tune in like, yo, does this feel right? Yeah, cool. Then we're good. Yeah. I love that. Does that answer your question? I believe so. Okay. Follow what feels good. is a good answer. One thing I find that is is very helpful for me in you know not letting other people's judgments affect me to the point where maybe it's affecting my actions and also and also the voice of as i mentioned before the voice of watch one more episode whatever um one thing i find really helpful for both those things is is fighting yourself and whenever that thought comes up oh, this person said this about me and it hurts or I want to watch my episode because it feels good or the, the idea of getting yourself out of your own way. I heard it best from Kevin Hart, legendary comedian. He said, excuse me, Kevin, would you mind please getting the fuck out of my way? And I loved it, man. It was so comical, but it was so specific and, and, and hasty and, and, and artful because these voices, whether they come from other people or ourselves, they are major hindrances. And so I really feel like telling yourself to get the fuck out of your way. It's kind of what you were doing when you said, hang on a sec, wait, what are my values? Yeah. <laughs> How I is this casting a spell? I was going to say the two link up because if yeah. you're so confident within what you do and why you're doing it and how you do it, because you love it and it feels right to you, then you are out of your way. And anything anyone else throws at you just deflects right off of you. Like, huh, okay, cool. You you stay with that. I'm over here. I'm good. Exactly. It's such a funny way of phrasing it and just perceiving it. You yeah. Know? So look, if anyone is pursuing a path of creativity or has creative energy within them that is dying to be expressed, we can't tell you enough how rewarding it is to pursue that lifestyle to pursue that purpose because no matter what it looks like from the outside and no matter how you know um what's the word how grueling or difficult no, or it can look a little bit like you're fucking up sometimes you know it can look a little bit like you're not where you should be yeah. you haven't look got at you like you're a that. failure yeah exactly you do get that as an artist but man it does deflect off of you because you live such a nourishing, such a deeply connected lifestyle and I can't encourage it enough. So to wrap things up, creativity is a way of life and it is our favorite way to live and to, you know, focus our life around. It looks different for everyone. So don't be afraid to do it your way. And if you have any creative blockages within yourself, hit us up. We'll plunge them out for you. Always happy to help out. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you next time.